The Blockhash Podcast is also brought to you by Viva Digital. Viva Digital has a team of experts that can solve the technological problems of your computer. They also offer the best advice to carry out those computer projects that you have planned. They are located in beautiful Medellin, Colombia in Monterey Mall. Be sure to follow them on Instagram at vivadigital.com.co and don't miss any promotion. All of the awesome audio soundtracks and beats on the Blockhouse podcast are brought to you by my good friend Tiger with It's Tiger Music. Go check out It's Tiger on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Music. And we are live again from beautiful Medellin, Colombia. It is Tuesday, August 4th. When this goes out on the podcast, it will be Wednesday, August 5th. So we're getting through the summer here with crypto, getting through the pandemic slowly. Um, you know, it's pretty good. Medellin's pretty good in Colombia. I've uh, got nothing really to complain about in terms of everyday life, but you know, watching the U.S. from a distance definitely gives you a different perspective. And, you know, there's a lot of nasty things happening in the economy. But what I want to touch on today, um, because I've talked a lot about Bitcoin, I've talked a lot about Ethereum, I've talked a lot about Cardano as it's been coming up. Um, I, I want to talk about a couple other cryptos that I consider dark horses in 2020, dark horses going into 2021 that, you know, not just will perform well, most likely, but we'll also see a lot of positive development. And some of them have been around for a long time. And it's important in terms of diversification to have, um, you know, widespread knowledge of the industry and what else is out there. So I want to talk about that. But before I dive into that in the specifics, um, I want to talk about what's happening with the U.S. economy and where we're at this summer, because a lot of people think that, you know, we're starting to come out of this. Um, a lot of people are going outside more. They're not wearing their masks or not taking proper health precautions, per se. In a lot of you know big cities, um, there's a lot of riots and protests still going on. And the virus is spiking again. Cases are back up. People are getting sick. And, you know, that's going to affect things a lot heading into the fall and the rest of this year. And it's, it's likely that things will get exponentially worse. Um, and there's some good statistical reasons pointing to that that I want to point out before we jump into what I want to talk about mainly with crypto. But um, it, so it's important to understand that in Q2, um, the second quarter between April and June in the U.S., um, the U.S. economy contracted by 32.9%. Um, that is the worst quarter on record, I believe, in the U.S., and that even dwarfs the 2008 recession, um, the worst quarter in that recession. Um, and it's it's really not close at all. So that should be a benchmark to tell you that the economy is not in a good situation um, and it's not at a point where it's going to just recover and things are going to go back to normal. Um, you know, people are still rioting and protesting, trashing small businesses. Um, you know, supply chains are struggling. Unemployment is climbing because people can't necessarily get back to work. The Federal Reserve is urging another lockdown to try and, you know, contain the virus. And 
um, you know, deal with this as quickly as possible while also advocating for another round of stimulus, which is likely on the horizon anyways, which is not good because it just adds on to the national debt and makes it even worse. Um, and only prolongs the eventual suffering that we will have economically. And, you know, the busiest time of the year, the holiday season, you know, football season, fall sports, um, you know, that's in jeopardy. Imagine all the revenue lost in advertising dollars, all the, the, the tickets for, for games that are lost, all the money spent on holidays like um, Halloween and Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas and New Year's, um, you know, are we really going to be able to get out and do normal things by then? I think we're being a little hopeful knowing, you know, that this really took place in March, this whole lockdown, and it's August now, and we're still in it, and it's gotten worse, and the second wave is starting to hit. Do people really think we're going to be done with this in 2020? You know, likely, likely no. <laughs> um we're, we're going to be dealing with this the rest of the year and, you know, best case scenario, we get out of it by, by January, but, you know, that's not even a guarantee, you know, not everyone makes smart decisions, you know, people are going to keep getting sick, cases are going to keep going up, and a lot of these issues are going to be pervasive, and the economy is not going to recover very quickly, and if the economy doesn't start recovering, you're going to feel that widely. And that's already being reflected in the U.S. dollar index, where the U.S. dollar is down 4% in July alone. And I think at this point, the dollar is at its lowest point since the 08 recession, um, according to the U.S. dollar index. Um, you, you know, the dollar, you know, the hegemony, hed, the hegem, hegemony, hegemony, I can't even say the word, um, the hegemonic you know, stance of the dollar, the backbone of global financial infrastructure in the world. Um, okay, in reality, it's not going to disappear immediately. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and then all of a sudden, you know, dollar's worth is zero. That's not realistic, but it is getting weaker. And, you know, a few weeks from now, a couple months from now, end of the year, it could be significantly worse. Um, and that's important to keep in mind. And one of the things I've talked about a ton and a lot of people have talked about is, you know, what are alternative assets, you know, that can help protect your wealth and get you through these times so you can come out the other side better than ever. You know, crypto is one of those alternative asset classes. And again, we've, we've talked extensively about Bitcoin and all the reasons there for why it's a long-term store of value and you should own some of it we've talked about ethereum and cardano and how they're both eventually going to start battling it out for control of the overall dap industry that's new and that's on the scene and that's popular um, that market share is going to slide from ethereum to cardano slowly and into other platforms too which i want to get into um but those aren't the only three things in the entire world that, you know, have potential to grow, have potential to do well and, and have good developments and go up in price and go through big cycles. You know, there's a whole market. So I want to also talk about some of the dark horses that, um, you know, I don't talk about often that are important that, you know, could become incredibly relevant by the end of the year. And some of them have been around for quite a while since, you know, the very beginning, uh, 
even before Ethereum, I believe, in some situations. So I have three in particular that I want to dive into really quickly because I think they're the most relevant at the moment. Um, and the first one is, is Ripple XRP. Ripple has been around for a while. Ripple has had its fair share of uh, lawsuits and been through court cases and, you know, it's been tried and tested over time. Um, and they've also, you know, it's, it doesn't move a whole lot in price, but it has had some massive price swings when you enter a bull market or a bear market. So Ripple, you know, it does move in value. It is something you can speculate on as an investment. Um, you know, I believe the highest it's been is like three and a half dollars and it's a 30 cents right now, 29 cents. So um, the, the spread on that, the margin is huge. The same thing that gives Cardano great investment potential is the spread between the price, between the all-time high and where it's at now. So yeah, Ripple is, you know, makes a lot of sense to invest in from that perspective, but you also want to look at what the projects are doing. Like what, what is Ripple doing? Where are they at right now? What have they been going through? Um, you know, recently the Ripple has been in a lawsuit with some disgruntled investors, um, you know, that probably aren't happy with the fact that Ripple hasn't gone up in price like they've, you know, praised it and hoped that it will. So then you took him to court, you took Brad Garlinghouse, CEO of Ripple to court, um, you know, and, and their claims against XRP were that, you know, they were pushing it you know, in the direction as a security, they're making claims that they couldn't afford to make and they wanted the court to classify XRP as a security. So this is what's important and applies broadly to crypto, not just Ripple. The court actually ruled in XRP's favor, in Ripple's favor, stating that, you know, accusations, you know, of such require evidence. So you can't just accuse XRP of, you know, having the same properties of, as a security and, you know, not fulfilling promises when um, there's no expectation to fill those promises yet. Um, so, I mean, there's a, there was a debate on that in court and eventually they ruled in their favor. But I mean, what this means essentially is that the courts aren't going to just rule that cryptos are um, a security or a property. You know, they, they want you to substantiate that with evidence. So, in Ripple's case, um, you know, the courts are showing that, you know, cryptos in general are likely going to be considered properties as they've been classified so far, you know, unless there's substantial compelling evidence brought forward to suggest otherwise. So that's good, meaning that, you know, cryptos in general will not just fall under the uh, securities class. You know, they're going to probably stay under the asset class of, you know, property until, you know, they come up with their own designation at some point, which is likely to happen soon. But, you know, Ripple got through that and they're fine. And that's part of the reason why their price jumped so much and went from 20 cents to 30 cents, biggest move they've seen in a long time. Um, you know, and Ripple also has a, a banking app most people aren't aware of that's expected to go into alpha launch by the end of the year. So you know, there's some real use cases with Ripple, and we all know how fast Ripple is, how they've touted that for a long time. They have the banking connections. They work with MoneyGram, Santander, and 
they've done pilots with central banks and they're all over the world trying to solve these remittance issues. Um, so I wouldn't sleep on them. People have, you know, um, criticized Ripple for being centralized, you know, because they control the nodes and they don't put this emphasis on decentralization. But I mean, who the fuck cares? I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, there are projects out there that focus on decentralization and that's great. And there are projects that don't, that doesn't make them a bad project. That's like saying every other company in the world that's centralized has to be a bad company because they aren't decentralized. They aren't following this new radical norm. So Ripple's not a bad project. It's a good project. It's number three in the world in market cap for a reason. So there's value there. It is a, you know, it's been a solid investment and it's seen some huge gains, seen some huge losses, just like everything else. And there's potential. So Ripple's definitely one of my three dark horse cryptos to perform at some point. You know, if these these banking connections fall through and, and the way that they should and they follow through on their promises and, you know, they launch a banking app and they start helping the unbanked, they will do very, very well. There's a lot of potential for that. So you should definitely keep them in your scope. The second crypto dark horse that I like that even I've held for you know quite a long time is Stellar. The reason why I like Stellar is I see him as a natural competitor to what Ripple's doing. And you know they have the partnerships as well. They've done their pilots. They have um, one that's well known with IBM, where they where IBM chose to run their World Wire project on Stellar, um, and they share you know a similar goal of making it cheap and easy for financial institutions to send currency anywhere in the world in any kind of volume to anybody. So again, back to this whole unbanked. Uh, banking the unbanked ordeal, this question we're all trying to figure out and solve. There are 2 billion people roughly in the world that don't have access to financial services. Someone's going to solve that at some point, and that can change very quickly with blockchain if applied correctly. And, you know, Stellar is one of those projects that's working hard to solve that, just like, you know, Ripple is. Um, you know, Stellar is just as fast. They're just as good. They have just as good infrastructure as Ripple has at this point, just as good of partnerships. And, you know, what the reason why Ethereum is doing well, why Cardano is doing well, is there's a huge competition heating up in the decentralized application market, the DAP market. Um, and as Cardano moves into launching its first um, applications in 2021, as Ethereum moves into Ethereum 2.0 with staking, they're going to compete heavily and that's going to make them both grow tremendously. Same thing with remittance. Ripple is, their main focus is solving the issues with remittance, making it easier, cheaper, accessible to the people in the world that are unbanked, bringing 2 billion people online. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And Ripple's natural competition might be stellar. It's not Bitcoin. Um, you know, it's not Ethereum. It's, it's not a platform. It's not just the fact that something is decentralized. It's the fact that that's their, their goal, their focus. 
So Stellar, not just because they seem like natural competition to Ripple, but also because they have good tech, they have a good platform um, and it's ran very well and they have strong partnerships. So those are two of the crypto dark horses that you know I watch very carefully that I think have a lot of potential. Seriously, no joke. And the third one, my third dark horse that I keep a very close eye on is not a cryptocurrency focused blockchain. It is, it's a platform focused, very like, very similar to Ethereum and Cardano and EOS and Tron and everything else that's trying to create an ecosystem for, for dApps. Um, Tezos is my third dark horse and probably the most interesting dark horse because of their history um, with their ICO um, and some of the conflicts of interest they've had and, and whatnot. But it is a good platform and it's here. And I think as people learn more about it, it's going to start um, you know, increasing in value. And I think people are going to build on it more and realize that, hey, this is a good platform. This is something that can compete with Cardano and Ethereum um, in, for the meantime. And we'll see where it goes in the future. But um, you know, they have some interesting properties that make Tezos valuable. The fact that you can upgrade Tezos without forking the blockchain um, to have the Shelly mainnet go out for Cardano, you have to fork Cardano for Ethereum to move to Ethereum 2.0 and begin staking and move away from proof of work. You have to fork Ethereum, you know, having that forking process can really create divisions within a community and Tezos can solve that issue with avoiding that problem, not forking at all, having a blockchain that can update, without having to split it, without having to split the code base. It's called self-amendment. Um, that'll come in very valuable, I think, in the future for them if they keep growing. They're also already a proof-of-stake platform, and you can easily stake on Tezos, on Coinbase right now. Um, and they have some of the best rates for staking on the year, too, annually, which is, I think, at 5.48% annually on Tezos. So right now you can go to Coinbase, you can buy some Tezos and you will earn um, staking rewards holding it on Coinbase and you'll, it'll reflect in Coinbase, I believe each day or each couple of days or monthly or however they um, release it. But um, it's a great option if you want to make a little bit on the year. 5.48% uh, is not a lot for most people on the year, but if you're holding a lot of money, it does add up. So and plus, if you think about it in terms of, you know, the, the tokens instead of the U.S. dollar amount, the token could be worth a lot more in the future. So if you're getting a set amount of tokens and it goes up exponentially over a year or two, and then that 5.48% isn't necessarily that important. It's you know, the value, the spread on Tezos, which is at about $3 right now and has, you know, potential to, you know, do something that Ethereum's done and be worth hundreds of dollars. Who knows? It all depends on growth and how much, how many people go to the platform, but it has a lot of potential. And the co-founder, Arthur Brightman and his wife as well, which is pretty unique. Um, but he's very smart. They're both very smart. And they come from backgrounds, at Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, mathematics degrees. Um, 
And I think that intelligence and that leadership is going to help Tezos continue growing down the line, just like how having, you know, Charles Hoskinson helps Cardano grow, having Vitalik Buterin with Ethereum helps Ethereum grow and stay unified. I think these things are important. What team is in place? Are they vocal? Are they passionate? Are they working hard? Are they smart? Um, I think Tezos has some of that. And I think that will lend um, a huge helping hand to them growing in the future. So those are my three crypto dark horses, Ripple, Stellar, and Tezos. I'm not recommending that you buy anything. Um, I'm not giving you investment advice. You need to make your own decisions and consult properly with your own people. However, I do think they're worth the time. I think you should look at them and consider them outside of just Bitcoin, just Ethereum, just Cardano. Um, I think they have a lot of potential. And, you know, the top 10 in crypto, the top 20 will get shaken up a lot. There are others that I didn't mention. We could talk about Tron and whether or not it's viable. We could talk about NEO and whether or not they're actually going to be able to capitalize on the Chinese economy. We could talk about Chainlink and how much popularity that's gained so far. We could talk about some that are incredibly undervalued right now in the top 50 or top 100, but it's there's too much to talk about and too much to go into, and I want to focus on what's important. So... No, other than what I've talked about in the past, Ripple, Stellar, and Tezos are definitely my dark horses for 2020 and my dark horses going into 2021. And I highly recommend that you guys brush up on your knowledge on them and do your own research. Um, you, you might like what you find. Anyways, hopefully this economy, this global economy, finds a way to improve at some point, but reality is it probably won't this year and the problems will probably be persistent for a while. So you need to learn to adapt. Successful people um, always learn to adapt to their situation. That's what makes them successful. So same thing with investing. That's why you're here. That's why you're learning about this stuff. Um, so learn to be flexible, learn to keep educating yourself on everything not just crypto, all kinds of different alternative assets outside the stock market, outside crypto, outside gold and silver. There are a lot of things out there. So keep educating yourself, stay smart, stay safe, and see you guys next time.